Hello, and welcome to another episode of Podcasting Success Secrets. My name is Hector Santi Esteban. I'm your host for today, your guide. Really, I'm just here to get out of the way because our guest of honor today is Giannis Anastasikis. Hopefully I got that right. He's coming into us from across the world. He is a podcaster who is over a couple of thousand episodes in. The name of his show is Ask the Guitar Coach. And what's cool about it is he's published episodes in multiple languages and is here to share his journey. So Giannis, thanks for hanging out with us today, man. Thank you for having me here. So this is going to be an exciting talk for me. We did a pre-call just to get to know each other a little bit better, and it was really interesting to, to get to know you. You had a lot of interest in my podcast, my Ask the Guitar Coach podcast. And it's true, I've been running this for so many years now in two languages, more than a thousand episodes. So it's been definitely been a labor of love. I started at uh, early 2013, been trying to keep it as to be focused there for the last 10 years now. It's coming up on the 10 year anniversary right now in December. We're recording this now in 2023. So that's about 2013. And that's right about when I started listening to podcasts. And I remember I was so far away from being in the mindset of starting my own. I had my own business. I had a brick and mortar office. I was so far from this digital world, but I started listening to them, maybe a little before that. But for you to have the idea to actually start one when it wasn't popular, when it wasn't sexy, it wasn't mainstream, there wasn't a Joe Rogan, a call her daddy, there wasn't these examples to look to. So what was that like starting the show? And was it an easy process or were there challenges getting going? Okay, let me take you back a couple of, a few years more than that. My background is in business and music. I had started both business and music performance and music teaching for guitar. And I was also teaching at the, the American College of Greece, music technology and music business. So that gave me a good background on this thing. However, the interesting thing is that I knew about podcasting since 2009 or 2010. By 2012, I was thinking about getting into podcasting. And I know you're going to laugh your head off of this one. I thought it was too late. I thought I had missed the boat. I'm talking about 2012. It took me a few months before I said, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do it, even though it's too late. It just sounds so funny saying this right now, 10 years later. And I got this started. The interesting thing was that it happened very organically. Now, being a guitar coach, I had people from all around the world because I had a, a digital business with uh, students from all around the world. People were asking me questions, and those questions were maybe like 100, 150 questions that kept repeating over and over. So people had the same question. So I decided to start a show that would address these questions. This way, instead of having to answer every question again, I could just send the person to my episode or to my video. This is how it got started. And then I just said, why don't I continue? And every single question I get from a student that can be useful and interesting for other people, I will just document there, both in audio and video, and see if it can help other people. And this is how it became uh, more and more a full a part of my life. In order to keep it running for 10 years, I had to find processes. I had to do a lot of stuff, and which we'll, I'm sure we'll get to. 
Yeah, at the beginning, it seems like a lot of people, they see this need or there's something that they want to talk about or share or answer. But the big word in my head, the chasm, the big bridge to cross, the big challenge, if you will, is oftentimes the technical side of it is the, how do I get it up? How do I record? I'd imagine that with your musical background, that may be a little bit easier or that you may have been a little closer to that sort of stuff. But was there any figuring out that you had to do or was there any points where we were got frustrated with the tech or the setup or all of the different parts of podcasting that a lot of people don't think about when they think about getting into podcasting? The first 10 episodes were only audio and then I would just upload them to YouTube with a static background. So this was all quite easy. I started, believe it or not, by not recording inside any kind of software. I just had a standalone, good quality condenser mic, which actually I have uh, in front of me right now. It's the Zoom N2 right here. And I used this to record all my episodes for the first 10, maybe 15 episodes. So there wasn't too much figuring out. I would just take the WAV file from there and just edit it minimally in Adobe Audition, which I already knew how to use from before. It wasn't very difficult. When it did get difficult is once I started wanting to use video. Then it got uh, complicated. And I did uh, exactly what uh, Tim Ferriss would suggest. I outsourced everything. I got someone to help me with that. So in the beginning, I would go to his studio and record. And then after a few episodes we made an arrangement that he would come over and set up different cameras, two cameras, three cameras sometimes, two microphones and get everything done over there. This made things very practical for me because I could just concentrate on the material that I wanted to talk about instead of having to worry about monitoring levels and the lighting and making sure that all the cameras working and all this kind of stuff. Interestingly enough, this is what led to the next chapter in my entrepreneurial journey, which was to start my own podcasting agency. And this happened because people started asking me. They were telling me, how on earth do you manage to do two podcasts a week? And the podcasts are on different cameras, different microphones, and everything is mixed down and uploaded on a bi-weekly basis, like twice a week. And you can keep this constantly for years, so on and so forth. And the reason was because I had done, I had created very good processes and I had a good team with me. Initially, like the first few episodes, as I think it, this is always the case, they were done for fun. But then immediately I saw that there was professional potential and then I took it much more seriously. And once I took it much more seriously, I could totally justify the expense of the investment, actually. I don't want to see it as an expense of having my own team to do my production and my post-production. So let's talk about that because a lot of podcasters struggle with that exact thing in the sense of how do you justify the investment of bringing on someone to do the editing or to do the promotion of it or to do the video of it? Because a lot of people, at least when they're starting out, there isn't a direct line of revenue coming from the show. Can you go a little bit more into how you were able to justify that cost or for other shows that you're working with, how might they begin to justify that sort of cost? Honestly, this is a matter of mindset. I don't think there are very few things in life where first you get results and then you start doing the effort. It's usually you do the effort, you keep doing the effort, you get your ass kicked, then you're still doing effort, and then eventually you start getting results. So if someone is not prepared to give some upfront investment, 
on, I'm not talking about podcasting, I'm pretty much talking about anything. Let's take guitar, for example. I used to be a guitar teacher, and you have to practice for years before you're good enough to play live or to give lessons. So you do have to give the investment up front. So basically, if someone really believes in himself or herself and they want to do this professionally, they should take it seriously enough in order to give the investment. I wish there was an easier way to say this, but this is honestly in my eyes, in my mind, this is a mindset thing. And it's perfectly fine you just want to do it just for fun. You're going to do it by yourself. And it's actually a beautiful journey. You get to learn how a lot of uh, software works. You get to learn how to produce the audio, how to do editing, how to do mastering, how to do all those things, which is great if that's what you want to do. If what you want to do is to be doing the podcast, to be talking, to be interviewing people, if you want to be sharing your knowledge, that's only one part of the process. Once again, going back to music, Think of someone who is a professional musician, someone who is a performer, okay? Imagine if that person actually had to go and do the whole setup and, I don't know, clean the stage, do all the backup work that needs to be done there. They don't do that. They just go there and give their best, if they're a singer, if they're a guitar player, whatever they are. It should be the same thing with someone who wants to do podcasting seriously. I hope I'm not being too strict about that, but... I think it's not a good mentality if you say, okay, I want first my podcast to give me money and then I will start investing back on it. Because nothing in life works this way. Even a farmer first needs to do the work on his farm, do the seeds, to water them for months, and then he gets the reward. I think a lot of podcasters, they get stuck in this. There's two kind of battles that they're fighting. The first is the money battle, which we talked about. A little bit. Then once they get past that, there's the, I don't want to give it up sort of thing. I want to have my control or I want to put my create. I have good friends who they do all of their editing, not because they necessarily have to, but because they say in their head that they want to. And I just wonder if that is the best thing for them and the, or the best thing for the show. That's a, that's a really, really good question. Sometimes, once again, it comes to the point where if you're enjoying doing the editing and if it doesn't burn you out and if you're enjoying doing all the video reels, if you like this process, then by all means, go on and do it. However, I try to see this as an energy preservation thing. So let's say I have 100 hours of energy to give to the podcast. I'd much rather give them by doing something for the podcast that I'm really good at. I'm really good at creating the content for it. Basically... In my guitar podcast, talking about answering the questions. Now, this is something that very few other people could do instead of me because I'm the expert on that one. However, someone else might be the expert on creating the video reels. Even in my company right now, I don't know personally how to create the video reels on an efficient way. I could probably do it, it would be totally half assed. But I have a person who's expert in doing that, and I know how the reels are used. I know what they will give as a return on investment to the client, but I cannot actually do the technical work myself. What I do suggest is that people focus their energy on what they're best. If you're best at interviewing, all your time should be spent interviewing and reaching out to people to interview, because these are the things that you are, that lie into, what's the name of the expression? Zone of genius, I think. I would say that. So if someone wants to do all the rest of the stuff, by all means, go on. 
However, from what I've seen from my experience now for over 10 years, the reason that most people stop their podcasting journey is because they get burned out from all the details, not because they stop having interest in, in actual podcasting. Yeah, there's so many different steps to a podcast. Frankly, it's the reason that I think you and I have jobs, have businesses, is that the recording part is, I don't want to say it's the easy part because it's not necessarily the easy part, but it's such a small piece of the pie. It's such a small piece of the ingredients that there's so many other things that can hold a podcast up, hold a podcaster up, whether it's show notes or the clips or even just publishing and uploading. I can't tell you how many times when it was just me and I didn't have a team to support me that I would have edited episodes ready to publish, just drafted, just not because I didn't want to go in and publish them or take the time. And just some of these smaller tasks can really get in the way, right? They can get in the way of your creativity and, and kind of get in the way of your flow. Let's scoot ahead a little bit. You mentioned systems and processes and building out these things to make sure that your show can run. When you look back at the show, what were some critical systems or critical processes that you put into place? And maybe you could even share if that process was simple or if there were some kind of speed bumps or hiccups along the way. I can tell you what was the most important thing, what made all the difference. That was batch recording. This was the by far greatest ROI return investment thing that I did on my podcast. I would just go there and stay here in the studio for like 10 hours in one day and record 15 to 20 episodes, which meant basically that I had enough material for four months of the podcast. That's for one language, for Greek or, or for English. This way, that meant that I could get into the mode of doing that. And then during a few months, I could get content for the whole year. Now, this is not something that every person can do for various reasons, but most important because the subject of their podcast might not be something as, uh, I don't know if timeless is the word, like this a question that comes up for someone who's trying to learn or become a professional guitar player is something that's going to be coming up over and over. And it was the same question in 1995, 2005, 2015. So as long as I answer it, it doesn't have to be in a specific. It's not based on something uh, specific, a specific timeline. However, or for people that are doing podcasts that have more to do with what, what's happening right now, so maybe like people that are doing a commentary on the news or something like that, but recording might not be an option. However, this was the best, the first big thing that happened that gave me a lot of breathing room. The second was to make sure I can do all the recordings in my home studio. And this was very important because it made things easier for me to set everything up. I would just get the team that would come here, the person who would set up the cameras and the lights, and would just record for one day, and then they would leave. So that made it very easy for me. Basically, this is something that I always say to all my clients. You have to decide who is the star in the show, and meaning... Who is the person that unless he's involved in that, this show doesn't get happen? Doesn't happen. In in my podcast, that was me. In your podcast, this is you. So all the processes should be created, in my opinion, so that they will help you. And this sounds it can end up sounding a little bit egotistical, but honestly, we need to keep whoever is the star 
of the specific podcast, we have to keep him as unoccupied as possible with anything else that doesn't have to do with actually producing the content. So what I say to all my clients is my job is to get my team to take everything off your hands except the actual recording. You're doing the recording, we take the files and we make everything happen. Obviously, the first couple of episodes, we're going to have a little bit back and forth so that we can have a fit on the aesthetics of what its client wants. But apart from that, ideally, we want no communication that has to happen. We want the communication that we want to have, like from the part of the client. He knows that he just records and then everything else automatically appears on the different platforms and the different places that he wants it to, that he wants it to appear. Actually, this is a dream for every podcaster. Yeah. There's something to being able to focus on your highest value and the ability to be creative in that regard. I know you and I have connected a little bit on the AI side of stuff. I love tools and technology and especially the AIs around. When I think about like why I am drawn to these sorts of things, I really love that it these tools and technology, they level the playing field. And that was originally why I was drawn to podcasts is that there was no gatekeeper saying what show could go out or I didn't have to make it onto some network or it was really open to whoever wanted to say something. As podcasts progressed, there started to become these, I don't want to call it the haves or the have nots, but let's call it the funded and the unfunded, those with budgets and those without budgets. And it seemed like the only way to compete on this bigger level was to have some sort of promotional or marketing budget that some of these shows have. Otherwise, it was hard. It seemed like an unlevel playing field. But with things like short form video, with things like YouTube, and then now with things like AI, I think that playing field is starting to level out a little bit, at least for the shows, the creators, the hosts who are willing to adapt. And that window is going to be small. But mm -hmm. if we start to utilize and leverage some of these things, it can really be helpful for our, our production systems and, and processes. What are your thoughts on where tech and AI is going in regards to podcasters and creators? I think it's going to be really helpful for people who are doing podcasting just for fun because now they can create things much, much faster than they could uh, before. And that's very helpful. Like you can do, you can create your show notes. They're okay. You can do the description. It's good enough. You can do some graphics. The graphics are usually very good. They cannot be very customizable, but they're very good. I don't see them taking the place of uh, a really good uh, technician either on the audio or the video, but I definitely see them taking part of the groundwork, doing a lot of the groundwork. And this groundwork is exactly what keeps a lot of people out of the loop, as you said, because if you don't have the funding, you cannot get the people to do this groundwork. But if you do have the funding, then this becomes quite uh, easier. Or if you have really good AI. So I really think it's a good thing. I think there's always going to be room for us, you know, someone, because people that want to give their message out, they always want to just do the messaging part and leave the rest of the stuff to someone else. And once again, I know I'm regressing to the previous subject. Sometimes it almost gets me sad to think about it. Imagine an author. Imagine Stephen King. Would he ever be worried about what kind of, of the soft back of the hard book that he's doing or how heavy the, the papers would need to be 
on the book or things like that or having to contact everybody to get his books out. No, he's just writing the book. That's what he wants to do. So no matter how much AI starts helping with some of the other things, there's always going to be people that want to just do write the book and then give it to someone else because they understand that this is where the zone of genius is. And I think it's always best if we collaborate with these kind of people that understand it instead of trying to explain it to people that they just want to save. They do want to save money, but they don't care about their time and their energy. Because you can always make more money, but you cannot make more time. And most of the people that made this decision that, oh, I'm going to try to do everything myself, this is the 91% of the podcasts that have been abandoned, as I said earlier on. Yeah. You kind of mentioned this a little bit, but I think that podcasters, they're in a unique position because they have the ability to create things that AI can't create. Mm -hmm. AI is, is only going to repurpose, rehash, remix things that have already been created. It can't be on the, the cutting edge of that creativity. And as podcasters, we have the ability to create that sort of content through the conversations that we have that originality, it's really, I think, one of the last frontiers, perhaps, because TikTok videos are going the way of AI created. YouTube videos are becoming AI created. I would imagine that it's going to be, it would be really challenging to sit through a long form AI generated conversation. Maybe you can get through 60 seconds of it. Maybe you can even get through a few minutes on a YouTube video, but to listen to 45 minutes, an hour, two hours of AI voices I think is just a very, who knows? These stretches have closed a lot quicker mm. than I thought. But with that being said, I think that is a frontier that we still have. So Giannis, this has been a really fun conversation. The show is there. It's still ongoing. You've got your hands full because I believe the show is still active. Ask the Guitar Coach. But you've also got another production company as well. So share where people can get connected with you or get more involved with you online. Absolutely. Now, the name of my podcast production company is podlab.agency. That's where you can find us. So the name is Podlab, but and the website is podlab.agency. If you are working on a podcast and you want some help, by all means, reach out to me, reach out to Hector. I'm sure we're going to be able to help you. If you don't mind me saying something more about the AI, and that's, that's going to be a good way to close this episode down. Think about it like that. In, in five years' time, provided we all survive, until then, everything is going to be created by AI. So the humans, the actual people are going to be crazy looking for this personal connection so that they know that when they hear or they talk to someone, it's human and it's not just a machine. Right now, you can read an article and you don't know if it's, someone, if it's a human who wrote it or if it's a machine who wrote it and it's already becoming problematic. Like Amazon is talking about stopping uh, books that are created by AI and things like uh, Google, same thing. Imagine in three or four or five years how much it's going to be. This is why I'm very bullish. I'm very, I think that podcasting is going to go great, especially video podcasting where you actually see the person, you can see their facial expressions, you can see the way they move their hands, how the, their eyes are darting left or right. You can hear their voice. So you want this humanity and podcasting has this humanity. It, you're actually connecting to an actual person. You're not connecting to just the information by him. I think a lot of media 
that will be AI created will have much lower return on investment. But all in all, I'm not talking about specific brands and uh, specific funded uh, collaborations, but all in all, podcasting, I think it's just starting its very strong point of, of the whole journey of podcasting. I think it's just starting. It's going to get so much bigger right now. I have absolutely no qualms about saying that. And people that are thinking that things are going to get are going to go lower and podcasting is going to die, they're greatly exaggerating things. They're taking moments like a company that's closing down or a podcast that gets abandoned and say, oh, here, since this company closed down, everybody is going to go out of podcasting. Imagine if the same thing happened with anything, like one um, automobile manufacturer closed down and then everybody says, okay, that's it. Cars are done. We have no more cars. For some reason, a lot of experts, industry newscasters will greatly exaggerate the demise of podcasting, which I really do not think that is the case. Yeah, I think it's just a fun thing. They know people will get all excited and all upset about it because some people will believe them and the other rest of them will get upset and tell them how dumb they are. And uh, regardless, it's good for clicks. We'll link uh, all that up in the show notes there so you can get connected with Giannis. And for those of you who stuck with us, we appreciate with you being here and being part of the pod fam. We would love a rating or review wherever you get your podcast. I saw the other day that we had a two-star rating. Partially, I got upset, but then I was like, I feel like we're legit now. Once every review isn't a five-star from your family member, then you must be legit. Maybe you can go help us balance that out. And if you know a podcaster who is thinking about starting one or someone who, who has a show, hit that share button and send them this episode. Let's grow the tribe together. And as always, we appreciate you being here. We'll see you on the next one. Later, fam. Later.